0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 72 of In Their Twenties, the podcast with the best advice. As always, my name is Landon. I'm your host. We have a very exciting episode for you today. We spoke with Corey Kosak, who is the founder and CEO of Aspireship. Aspireship is a reskilling platform designed to help people from all walks of life start a new career in software sales. You know, I want to start backwards for this interview and share why this interview is so important to everybody even if you do not have a career in sales I would argue that everybody could use sales training sales helps with communication critical thinking problem solving and so much more it doesn't matter if you're not looking to do sales professionally sometimes we just need to sell our friends on what the plan should be on a Friday night This is why we spoke with Corey and also why what he's doing at Aspireship is so important. Aspireship is the fastest and most effective way to prepare for and land a career in software sales where you can make more money and open more doors for opportunities in the future. Aspireship offers free, on-demand, and self-paced software sales training and job placement. And it was just so awesome to speak with Corey about his advice for people in their 20s and how they can become better at sales. So we're going to jump right in. Super excited to have you on In Their 20s um, today to talk about your 20s um, and how everything that you've done has led to Aspireship. Um, I understand as well, you know, you're really passionate about the future of work something that's very relevant uh, to today. So really excited to dive into that. But before we do, I want to start at the beginning. Um, I understand that you attended Arizona State University. I'm curious because I know, you know, there are so many students right now. They're studying unique things. You know, they're taking this class, this extracurricular, and they're curious. You know, they're really curious. Will what I'm doing now have an impact on my future? You know, all these skills that I gain, will I use them in 10 years, et cetera? Um, can you confidently say there are some skills, routines that you developed in college that you still use today?
1: Yeah, so it's an interesting question. Um, for me, I'm not super bullish, even though I completed my degree and I always felt like I needed to get one. Um, I have a lot of questions about the future of college degrees, especially as it pertains to to work. Um, I can say with certainty that. There were things about going to college that ended up, you know, leading to, you know, future success for me. Um, but the biggest thing for me was that I didn't get a job. Like I didn't have a side job. You know, I wasn't waiting tables. I wasn't bartending. I wasn't doing any of the things that a lot of college kids uh, either need to do out of necessity or, um, you know, do because they're either encouraged to by their parents or they just feel like, hey, this is something I should be doing. And that gave me the space to really think about what I wanted to do with my life and also start to uh, invest in, invest my time in things that interested me. Um, And, and those things were entrepreneurship Um, and, and that led to a lot of, you know, interesting experiences. Um, But I do
0: as well understand that you, um, you know, have had an untraditional path to get to where you are today. Uh, What did a few of those post-grad jobs look like Um, different positions and what did
1: you learn from those? Sure. So my, my path is very non-traditional in that I've hardly had any quote unquote regular jobs in my lifetime. Um, So when I was in college uh, my sophomore year, I founded a company. Um, And at the time I wasn't thinking like I'm founding a company and like doing this big thing. It was just like a little side thing to make some money. And um, what I was doing was I was selling DVDs and video games on eBay. And this was back in wow well, oh, 2004, five, something like that. You know, a long time ago, <clears throat> eBay was really starting to grow at a significant clip back then. Um, and I became one of the largest uh, sellers on eBay in the whole world um, while wow. I was in college. And it didn't start it that way. It wasn't the the intention. It just, you know, I I got kind of obsessed with it. Like I do, you know, entrepreneurial things and I was doing it out of my dorm room. And so that taught me Number one, that, you know, I really love building businesses. Um, and it also kind of pointed out to me where, you know, that experience fell short in terms of what I wanted to do next. It wasn't like something I wanted to keep growing and this is what I want to do with my life or, you know, anything like that. Um, but it taught me a lot about just handling things on my own and and learning how to, you um, do you think everything from negotiating or like convincing people that didn't know who I was that I was legitimate and some of that stuff um and so that that was I would say the the number one thing during college um after college I kind of went on and I didn't um start a bunch of other companies I did do one small company um uh, that uh, that I started, uh, it was probably late college or right after um, mm-hmm. that I did for a little bit. <clears throat> but what I ended up doing through most of my twenties was joining up with other startups uh, that were either just forming or had um, formed recently. And you know, I'd be you know third person in the company, fifth person in the company. I'd be consulting with other startups, and basically, I learned very quickly all the things that you don't want to do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, and many other like very hard lessons, um, you know, throughout my twenties. And those things shaped me in, in ways that, you know, I really can't describe other than to say that, um, you know, I got a world-class education through those experiences. And that really put me in the position to be successful as an entrepreneur you know, with uh, starting with my last company before Aspireship, um, which I started, it was probably twenty nine or thirty. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, when I got going. So. Well, you said something that was
0: so interesting to me. Um, and you know, when speaking about that DVD business that you had, you know, you went into it not knowing that you were going to be starting a company. Um, you know, you were probably just interested in that, and you know, you, you, were, you were able to create something really special. And same, you know, with the. Um, you know, act of joining startups, you know, it's very difficult to understand or even guess, you know, what might happen in a year or two years. I think there's a lot of pressure on 20 somethings. You know, we want all the answers. We want to know like right now, okay, if I get involved in this new job, start this hobby, like where will it take me? Um, but I think 20 somethings need to have a little less pressure on themselves and just, you know, get involved in unique things to build that identity capital, you know, see what you like to do. Most importantly, see what you don't like to do. Um, and just discover new tracks. So can you say like wholeheartedly as well, like that's something that you did um, or tried to do as often as you could in your 20s, like, you know, not, except that you didn't always have to know the answers or, you know, how certain things would turn out or become, but, you know, just to learn, try new things and take risks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is for sure what I'd consider secret sauce to me becoming successful, um, doing things that others won't do. taking risks that others won't take, um, and being comfortable with that ambiguity. Mm -hmm. When you're in your 20s, you have, um, you know, generally speaking, you have less pressure uh, financially than when you're older. Uh, Obviously, it doesn't apply to everybody. I understand there's people that are in tough circumstances um, and need to provide uh, in their 20s. But for most, having that level of flexibility, um, it's a great asset. And part of what we're seeing here through Aspireship or what we see sometimes, and we help you know, people transition into the tech industry and sales roles. Um, and so when we're dealing, especially with younger individuals who are younger in their career, um, we'll see people get a little too focused on, on compensation um, early on in their careers. And while it's important to everybody and you wanna be maximizing it, you read all the advice and all that stuff, the learning is vastly more important. Um, and so for me, I, I took, you know, I had times where <clears throat> I, I had made a, a good amount of money, you know, in my first business that I launched. And then I, I went and, you know, worked for two years on something and made zero, right? Like, and, and, you know, lost a lot of money, you know, through that process. Um, but the lessons that I gained from that and from other things. Uh, are just incredibly valuable, and and you you know you don't want to trade that stuff. So anytime that you can do that, you want to do it. Totally, you know, learn in your twenties, earn in your thirties. I Feel like I say that
0: so often. I should probably get that tattooed on me. But I mean, no, exactly. I mean that's what people need to realize. You know, and I I get it. You know, there's a lot that you can compare yourself to, especially now. You know, in the age of the internet, we see what this person's doing, what that person's doing how much that person's making off a Dogecoin. But I mean, you know, it's funny that you really just need to focus <laughs> on yourself, you know, staying in your own lane. Um, there's no one playbook of doing, you know, a specific thing. You know, there are endless ways to do something um, and you need to find your own way. Um, so I think that that's super important. And I love that, you know, of course, like you're trying to share that with other people. So it's really, really crucial. Um, so you mentioned at 29, you know, prior to um, starting Aspireship, which we're going to get to in a, um, in a little bit, Um, You know, you had another company um, called Frederick, it was called, correct? Yep, that's correct. And I I probably was 30, 31. I don't know if There's been track of the year. No, it's fine. It's fine. It was was around Um, 2014. We can still talk about it because I'm still curious about it. You know, this was a marketing automation platform. Um, It was acquired as well. Um, But, you know, I love that you worked on this. You know, you built it, was acquired all before Aspireship. What are some things that you learned from this experience um, that, you know, you really urge entrepreneurs and founders to know.
1: Sure. So, um, let's see, I think, I think what's, what really sticks with me, um, from the Frederick experience is when I started, I didn't really have the end in mind right? So I, I, I said to myself, hey, I'm going to build this thing that's going to make small business owners a lot more money with a lot less effort, mm-hmm. um, because I want to help people that want to help themselves. That so was like a life thesis that I, you know, uh, decided on. And small business owners are like that, right? They really want to, um, they're willing to take risks. And those risks don't always pan out uh, for them. And it can be quite a grind, you know, owning a small business. <clears throat> and so When I did it, I thought to myself, hey, I'm going to build this thing that's going to apply to all these different types of businesses. And I could see it being a big independent company someday, and maybe it goes public, whatever. And I didn't really comprehend what any of that meant. It was all just like, hey, I'm going to make it big, right? And what ended up happening uh, pretty early on in the company's life cycle is we started getting acquisition offers because what we had built was such a great fit. Yeah. for these partner companies we were trying to sell through. Um, and everybody told me, hey, you know, you're stupid to turn this down. It doesn't happen this quickly. Like, you know, success is guaranteed if you go this route. Um, and, uh, and it was a great thing. Uh, we ended up going through a string of acquisitions uh, over a few years. And I went from small little five person startup to Inside of a 200-person, you know, well-funded venture-backed startup to 2,000-person publicly wow. traded company, uh, to then taken private by a private equity firm for two billion dollars, um, all in you know four and a half years. And so I saw some really incredible things through that, and the learning from seeing the different stages of companies so quickly um, was incredibly valuable. But the big thing for me was looking at I didn't have a sense of what I really wanted or needed it to be when it was all said and done. And so with Aspireship, I'm just so much clearer uh, about it. And so I think so much more about um, with each decision I make, is it in service of where I want to get to? It's not just dollars and cents. It's not, you know, big funding. It's not these things like when it's all over what's going to make you feel like satisfied deep down that you did the right stuff and you served your customers and the the impact that you wanted to have, that it's all there. And, um, and that's the biggest thing. I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about that, especially when it's their first one, they're just so eager Mm -hmm. to pump it up and get bigger and, you know, someday, you know, get super rich. And that's kind of the end of the story. And that's rarely the end of the story.
0: Of course. I mean, there's so much more work that needs to be done, um, which is why that I love how Aspireship is rooted in a strong mission. When did you recognize this as, you know, being a problem that you wanted to find a solution for?
1: Yeah. So, so one of the things that's unique about what we're doing is we're focused on the non-technical jobs in tech. Um, And so uh, while it's absolutely true, like the demand for coding and other technical roles like through the roof and will continue Alongside that, there's enormous demand for people who can sell um, these types of platforms uh, to customers who of can course. service them well, market them, all of that stuff. And um, unlike what some people say, you know, sales isn't sales for everything, right? Um, there are nuances to this and, and a lot of things that you want to learn. Um, so for me, the, the reason that I, uh, I recognized this was uh, actually through the last company. So. Um, as we went from small little startup through, you know, large public company with a big um, sales force and all of that stuff, I saw this really fascinating two-sided problem. Um, the, the biggest problem was that people who are already in tech um, but were anywhere from two, three, up to 10 years into their career, um, they were all coming to me for advice on how to make some kind of transition. Right. So it could be people on the customer support team that wanted to get into sales, but even inside the company and with a strong endorsement, it was very difficult for them to be considered for that sales role because they'd never done it before. Um, And it wasn't just about sales, it was literally about like most jobs that you'd see. Yeah. And as I kept kind of pulling at this thread, I saw that there was significantly more pain uh, for people wanted to get into tech in the first place. Um, But basically what you saw across the board was once you get into your career and you start doing something, you're typecast. So even once you're two to three years in, it's like, this is what you do. You're a marketing person. You'll always be a marketing person. Like, you're a salesperson, but you sell in the automotive industry. You will always be an automotive salesperson, right? And it's sort of like this lazy thing that recruiting departments and hiring managers at companies have sort of settled on. Um, and it's not really their fault. It's just that hiring is very difficult to get right.
0: Mm-hmm. And especially
1: when you're in a tech company, and this was the other side of the problem that I got to see in this, like, growing, you know, uh, tech company, Um, you need to hire so many people so quickly to keep up with your goals. And especially in sales, although it extends to other things, the turnover is really high. And if you miss, if you get the hires wrong or you don't hire them quick, quickly enough, or you don't retain enough of them, uh, you end up in a situation where you can't hit your revenue goals and the company's in trouble, regardless of how successful the company is. And so I saw this and basically said, you know what, there's a mismatch here. The reason there's a mismatch and companies have so much, uh, so many challenges hiring people is that they've overinflated the importance of your past jobs in um, the criteria for whether or not you're going to get an interview at this company, let alone land the job. So if you, if I'm somebody who wants to recruit someone to sell software to automotive dealerships. I'm like, hey, who are all the people that have sold software to automotive dealerships in the world uh, or in my location or whatever? Let's go find them and try and poach them from our competitor companies or whatever it may be because that is like a lookalike for what I'm looking for. And unfortunately, it actually doesn't work. Um, certainly doesn't work at scale. And we're leaving out huge chunks of the population that can do these jobs quite effectively. So I saw these two things and I said, this is a big enough problem that it's worth dedicating, you know, the of majority of the rest of my professional life to solving it, and that's why I decided to found Aspireship.
0: I love that. You know, I love that this is something that you saw clearly, um, and which is why you know you're now creating something that can help people uh, from you know your own past experiences. Salesforces are at the beginning of a company. You know, they are on the front lines, which is why we see so many founders, so many CEOs, you know, begin careers at companies doing sales. Um, It's super important. Um, You know, I've had an opportunity to work in software sales. Um, You know, it's a craft that has helped me. You know, continue in other areas. You know, different businesses as well. So I think that that's super cool. You guys are developing strong, you know, software salespeople uh, with Aspireship. So I'm curious, though. You know, diving in a little deeper into that, um, the younger people that you've been able to work with. You know, the 20-somethings. That are trying to break into sales, you know, become the best, you know, within their specific industries. Um, what are some best practices that you've seen or noticed there?
1: And overall, I mean, how can people sell better? Sure. So I think the, you know, what we've seen the most is regardless of what you come from, and we see sort of a split between maybe half are coming from anything other than sales. They could be in customer support and marketing. They could be teachers, paralegals, um, you know, firefighters, you name it, like we've seen kind of the gamut of people transitioning uh, into this career. Um, we see those people, and then the other half, we see people who actually have significant sales experience, just not in tech. And those people are still getting excluded from the hiring process because they haven't sold software before, right? Again, going back to the lookalike thing. Um, And so the biggest thing that we've seen across the board on all of it is those skills that have nothing to do with knowing exactly how to sell software, but more specifically being hungry, uh, willingness to learn and be coachable, um, actually being humble. This is something that... um, you know, I've I've had lots of conversations with people and say, like, salespeople aren't humble. What are you talking about? Like, you need people with ego, the confidence. And it's like, yes, I understand all that. But um, that humility goes a long way when it comes to learning and continuous learning. And so the number one thing I've seen in people who become successful in transitioning in um, and sticking in this line of work is that hunger and desire to keep learning because even once you know how to do some piece of it there's always something new to learn uh, what are you learning from the calls that you're yeah. having um, what's the best kind of target customer for this solution learn more about the product and like how it's evolving and different ways to present needs uh, uh, it, it's serving the needs of others there's just so many things like that um, that i that i find critical
0: Totally, because listening is also a huge um, part of communication, huge part of sales. Um, You want to be able to understand what the customer is going through so you can then give a solution. Um, And I think that, yeah, with a lot of these big ego people I've seen in sales, you know, they're they're very talented, you know, they know their stuff, you know, they know the product. But a lot of times, you know, you got to just listen to what the customer wants. In order to understand, you know, okay, like, no, this is probably a better product for that customer. This is what they actually need. Um, So I think that's really important that you guys are really preaching humility and, um, you know, just within all that listening, really, really important. Um, So I wanted to now pivot, Corey, um, and discuss something that uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the interview. You know, I saw that you're passionate about the future of work um, and, you know, just what you think. Um, you know, a lot of these industries will look like, you know, in a few years. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, you know, just with all of the uncertainty, how a lot of these industries have, you know, drastically shifted and evolved. I'm curious, you know, where do you think we're
1: heading in in the next few years? Yeah, so I I mean, it's a super broad question. So there's a lot of different ways we could take it. I think even pre-pandemic, massive acceleration into tech companies, uh, software companies even companies that you don't really think of as tech companies are becoming you know more like tech companies mm-hmm. um, so there's a common thread there that like a lot of the traditional uh, jobs and traditional industries they're not being outright replaced by tech companies but they're being augmented or reimagined uh, yes. by tech companies and so I think it's really important to think about that landscape. Um, the other thing is startups. So, you know, back when I was, uh, when I was in my 20s, um, you know, having a, a startup wasn't nearly as cool as it is today. Um, there wasn't as much funding for it. People didn't understand it, you know, as you would go and, and talk to your average person about, um, about what you were doing. Um, but now startups are becoming uh, substantial companies at a much faster pace than ever before, and so um, I think a general education uh, around how startups work, um, you know, what their end game is, what how they operate, I think are all things that are important for people to understand. Um, and then otherwise, there's the whole thing about remote work versus in office and more flexibility and freedom. Um, it's very clear that we're we're not ever going to go back to the way it was in terms of uh, most companies being 100% in an office. Um, we're gonna see, I think, a mix um, where companies operate differently. And uh, yeah, those are some of the things that come to mind. Of course. Um, so now Corey,
0: my final question as we're just looking into the future, I'm curious. So if we're connecting, you know, let's say a year from today, um, or even we can push back a little more, we'll say three years from today, Um, Where do you think Aspireship will be? Uh, Because I know this was founded in 2019. You guys have already, you know, created such a strong impact, you know, help people again, find their dream job, learn about, you know, new industries. But, you know, if we're pushing to like three years down the line um, you know,
1: what are you really aiming to have uh, Aspireship be known for and where are you guys headed? Sure. So I think for us, we're just going to see a lot more scale um, and expansion into other types of jobs uh, beyond uh, the roles we're doing today, which are sales development roles, account executives, account managers, you know, frontline sales uh, roles are, are the ones that we're focused on today. Um, so we're going to be expanding, um, you know, beyond that um, and aiming to help uh, a lot more people. Awesome. Well, Corey, I just want to say thank you so much.
0: It was a pleasure to hear about your 20s. i super excited to hear about Aspireship. Um, And also, you know, just about the future of work. I mean, something that I'm very interested in. Um, I wish we had the answers to know, you know, exactly, you know, what things would look like in the future. But um, from what I heard from you, it sounds pretty spot on. So I'm excited and really happy that we had an opportunity to make this happen. Awesome. Thanks, Landon. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for streaming another episode of In Their 20s, the podcast with the best advice. If you enjoyed this episode with Corey and want more amazing content like this, make sure to subscribe to In Their 20s, wherever you stream your podcast. Also check out our newsletter, our weekly newsletter at wwwintheir Lastly, the DMs are always open. If you have a suggestion for a guest, topic, subject matter, whatever it is, you can always reach out to me on Twitter at Landon20s. That's L-A-N-D-O-N-2-0-S. See you soon.